Hey there, folks. Welcome to all the fans of Bavada and the Bavada at Odds podcast. We are here with another episode. Uh, my name is Seth Everett. I'm your host of this little extravaganza. The head odds maker at BavadaSportsbook.com is the great Patrick Morrow. Patrick, um, not going to say super wild card weekend wasn't super, but really had one, maybe two games that went down to the wire. And you had a lot of blowouts. And I saw a guy on one of the syndicated shows. Uh, who am I kidding? I don't listen to radio anymore. But I did see it on Twitter. And I saw super doesn't always mean better. And it's quantity over quality. The NFL pushed that 17th week. But they also pushed the extra playoff teams. And I, the ratings might be there, but... I don't know how often it'll go before fans figure out that the first week of the playoffs is not great. Yeah, it's, you know, the longest uh, intro ever, by the way. No, no, that's that's good. That's good. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, it it, it was. Listen, I I love that they did a Monday Night Football game. I know it creates a competitive imbalance, uh, but whatever. I the games themselves obviously weren't great. uh, But looking back at previous wild card years, uh, that's kind of how it goes. You get that one team that like barely scraped through. You get a division winner that won like 11 games, but the buy team was also in their division as well. It's, it's, it's a weird uh, part of the year where there's, you know, th- this is the weekend where the teams that are all realistically competing for the Super Bowl are all still standing. So, uh, but selfishly though, from an odds making point of view, from a business point of view, having more games is always going to be better for the house. Instead of nine games on Sunday at 1 PM during the regular season, if we could somehow space them out. So they were 6 AM, 9 AM, midnight, 3 PM, and just do it all day, every day. It would be incredible for us. We might get a little bit of fatigue from our player base, but uh, uh, yeah, from a fan, the games itself were kind of ho-hum. I did uh, tune into the Nickelodeon broadcast to watch the sliming oh, you, happen. You watched that, that over game. my Twitch show, uh, okay? Uh, well, you know, I was I was dipping back. Actually, and forth you're in a Canada. You were. It was only U.S. viewers, anyway. That's right. And for the record, I've made it known that I've tried to VPN into that show, and uh, Twitch, Amazon, whoever uh, have stopped my efforts. So I, I, I made a good, honest effort, but uh, but yeah. Right, so so you're you still know, a friend. I'm still a friend. 49ers Cowboys was a great game. That was a great game. The Cowboys cowboyed themselves out of a playoff game. Yeah. How do you not know you got to give the ball to the official? And why why aren't you looking for the official? Yeah. I love the ballsy nature of that call. Yes. I just, the execution was all messed up. Yeah. It was, you know what? It's like when you're playing against the computer in Madden and they don't know how to spike the ball in that spot yet. Like, they don't have the clock management in there. I, I, I agree. I like, if you know that you're going to run that play and catch them off guard, you have to know what you're going to do next if it's successful. And, uh, you know, the Cowboys, that has really been, you know, even before Mike McCarthy, that has been their MO. There's a lot of talent there. And this year, there was a lot of talents on, talent on the defensive side of the ball as well. Mm-hmm. They were a really, really, really good team on paper. And uh, that's Mike McCarthy. I'm a, I'm a laissez-faire Packer fan by nature. I grew up being a Packer fan. Uh, you know, these days it's all business for me. But yeah, that's what he did in Green Bay. He gets in his team's way. And, uh, you know, otherwise they had a successful season uh, in the sense that they won their division, a lot of offensive stats, a lot, lot of wins, but that's not going to do it for Jerry Jones. Um, 
Jerry Jones probably needs to get out of the way of himself a little bit because he can't pick a head coach. He actually has built a team finally, but uh, it's not McCarthy. I don't know if you elevate Kellen Moore or look elsewhere because I don't know who else is waiting in the wings, but uh, it's tough. And it's also tough for the Cowboys that they ran into a buzzsaw in San Fran. Like San Fran is healthy for the first time all year. I've talked about their embarrassment of riches on offense. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, who can seemingly do anything. Uh, just incredible how many times they ran with him and how effective it was in his ability to do that. A healthy Kittle. Uh, Jimmy G's looking okay out there. And they've got the better head coaching staff. Staff, the better front office they do the right thing situationally and in a sport where the average margin of victory is roughly between three and seven points one possession games that's the stuff that matters that's the stuff that has you go on in the playoffs that's stuff that maybe has you win championships i just don't see how the cowboys overcome someone like mccarthy in the future not to crap on him too much and fortunately you know we don't have to talk about the cowboys anymore this year we get to talk about all the great teams that are left in the playoffs Seth, and i legitimately think they're all very great teams Okay, but but just to make sure we're on the same page, you like the call, just the execution sucked, or you don't like the call because you knew the execution wouldn't work? I'm okay with the call if everyone knows what their assignment is afterwards. Um, I I was actually, I was very surprised, given that I just uh, heaped all that praise on the 49ers. And I I say this all the time, I watch when Dak's down, don't let him get up. You know, you tackle him and you just, you know, you kind of go a little dead weight on him for that extra second or two. Yeah, you, you know, and, and I, it's so easy for me to say this after the fact, because I'm not on the sideline trying to manage, you know, 52 people or at least the 11 that are on the field at a time. Football is a very fast game when you have to make those decisions. Having said that, these coaches now in 2022, got to check my calendar. They have they pay enough people in these spots. Now, most of these teams do anyways to really just break down the game theory of what optimal, you know, clock management is and everything else. You know, I, I see it on Twitter all the time. We should just hire all the kids that play professional Madden to manage the clock for you at the end of the games. And you would do better than a lot of these coaches do. I, I The thing is the Cowboys, they were going to be in tough, no matter what, with that little time left and uh, you know, no timeouts. They were that far away. So it was a, it was a tricky play that nobody saw coming but they had to be better in the execution. They would have had a shot from 20, 25 yards out, which is better than a Hail Mary. Still would have been really, really tough to pull it off. But uh, yeah, it's you know tough ending for you know a team that's once again seeing postseason frustration. What do you make of the fact that these games were kind of stinkers? I mean, the, 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 the Bucks, uh, the Bucks uh, game, you know, against the Eagles, the, uh, the Buffalo New England game, which was the game I couldn't wait for, you know, that was cool for a quarter. And then it was like, what are you doing with these people? You know, first of all, parents, why are you bringing your kids to that game? What are you doing? To, to, to Bucks Eagles? No, no, no. To, uh, to uh, uh, Bill's Patriots. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, I don't know why you'd go to Bucks <laughs> the Eagles either, but that, <laughs> that's not the question. <laughs> I know. I mean, if, if you're the Bills, you uh, you exercised uh, you know some demons a little bit there. You beat the Patriots uh, two out of three six times. Six degrees, man. It was it was six degrees. But listen, I I know Bills Mafia. I grew would up you, in Southern would you, Ontario. Would you sit in that crowd. Be honest. I wouldn't. I wouldn't sit, Seth. I would stand for the entire game yeah. and root on those Bills. Yeah, well, you know what? I I have been to uh, my fair share of Bills games at the Ralph, and a couple of them have been in bad weather. And uh, I know a good deal of those Bills fans were, let's just say, feeling no pain uh, by the time kickoff started. Uh, the tailgate there is a pretty serious situation. And, uh, you know, they've got one of, the mo- one of the most exciting Bills teams in the last 15, 20 years to get excited about. I would brave it out very quickly. The coldest game I've been to, Cleveland-Pittsburgh, 
about 12 years ago. It was uh, minus 25 Celsius, swirling winds, 6-3 final. It was the only time the Browns were able to beat the Steelers in like a two or three year run. I had a great time at that game because I I saw it for the spectacle that it was. For the Browns, that game was their Super Bowl. For the Bills, winning this playoff game against the Patriots, to the extent they did it too, right? I mean, it was exciting from start to finish to the extent that Allen threw a touchdown on every single, or not, they scored a touchdown on every single drive except for when they had to kneel it out. Like, I, you know, it's good to be the home team on the side of a blowout. Uh, it's very tough for odds makers who are trying to adjust those in-game odds and try and set what the price is that the Bills will score again and cover, you know, minus 10, minus 17, minus 23. Uh, it can be a little bit tough for us, but I, I guarantee you the Bills fans at that game enjoyed themselves from start to finish. All right, let's take a look at this week's games. There are four divisional playoff games. This is usually the weekend of the best games, to be quite honest with you. The conference championships, you know, they're always hit or miss. You have four big games, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Buckle up, folks. This this should be a lot of fun. And the matchups are better. The matchups, you don't have Bucks eagles You know what I'm saying? Like, there, there, there's a difference there. Um, you, I, I, I don't think you'll have a clinker in them. Um, let's start it off with the Bengals and the Titans. Uh, Cincinnati won a playoff game for the first time after six presidents, I think it is. Um, <laughs> Tennessee's coming off the bye week. Uh, only one team in each conference got a bye. Uh, so you have that now. Uh, size up Cincinnati and Tennessee in Nissan Stadium. Yeah, very interesting matchup, Seth. And I got to echo your sentiment about yeah, these are the these are the good games now. Like yeah. we we got we we got the pretenders out of the way, and uh, it's it's time to roll. By the way, every game this weekend is under a touchdown on the point spread, so that really hammers home that point. Um, looking at Bengals at Titans, the Titans are currently three and a half point favorites at Bavada. Really interested in this matchup. Very excited for Bengals fans and what they got in Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and getting, you know, that playoff Schneid, that playoff monkey off their Schneider. However that goes, I'm mismanaging all my references here, but we'll get this in editing. That's okay. Uh, looking at the point spread again, the Titans are three and a half point favorites. Action 50-50 on this one. A lot of Bengals love on the money line right now. Uh, super compelling matchup. I'm a big fan fan of the Titans head office. I think it's interesting that uh, Belichick's uh, coaching tree has only seen success from an offensive lineman, not from really any of his assistants anywhere. Uh, the Titans do a lot of good things offensively. They're healthy. Should be a great matchup. Over-under is sitting at 47 right now at Bavada. Players are betting on points. About 85% of all bets on the over in this one, Seth. Then to cold Lambeau Field. And uh, that's where it's supposed to be frozen. The frozen tundra, they call it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and company against the San Francisco team that, that look, they got out to a hot start against Dallas. We thought they were world beaters. Um, Garoppolo, I thought, played great, although he hurt himself. So he's a question mark going into this game. Still, you know, I know you said under a touchdown. The reality is, is that this is the game that this is the heaviest favored game. You're absolutely right, Seth. And the betting does reflect that so far. The Packers are six point favorites in this one at Bavada. And about 80% of all bets are on the Packers, easily our largest liability. Over-under is sitting 47 and a half right now. Uh, that point spread has kind of dipped back and forth a little bit, I think because of the Jimmy G injury situation. With uh, It's been four and a half, five, six, sitting six right now. We're not quite sure. Of course, this will change again by Sunday. 
very interesting matchup in that these are two teams that with their offense uh, would probably prefer to be playing warm weather football. I mean, well, most people would probably prefer to be playing warm weather football if you have any kind of offensive talent. But uh, yeah. Yeah, or a brain. There you go. So you know, I I do think the Packers and the Packers. We know they they have one of the last true pure home field advantages in pro football. Uh, don't get me wrong. The 49ers fans we do have deep pockets. So I do expect you know a small presence there, but it won't be like 49ers at Rams that we saw in Week 18. Uh, the Packers faithful, the Lambo faithful are going to be out. They're going to be loud. And, uh, you know, advantage to the Packers in this one. But again, that 49ers front office, they do smart things. They utilize all their best players to the best of their ability. Uh, should be a fascinating game. Probably one of the easily the best one that day, I think. All right, let's stay in the NFC in this game. I, wow. Uh, this is this is as, as much of a pick them as as I would think. Uh, Tampa is only going to be favored because they're home. These are two evenly matched teams. I don't know how you bet against Tom Brady, but you'll explain. <laughs> well, the, the betters agree with you so far, Seth, as we're seeing about 65% of all bets at Bavada on the Rams money line and the point spread. The point spread right now is currently Tampa Bay minus three. However, they're only minus 105 on that point spread. So we are shading it a little bit towards the LA Rams side. Um, yeah, candidly, this is the matchup I was hoping for going into Monday Night Football. Uh, I've been dogging the Cardinals all year. I thought they, uh, you know, I, I don't like to use the fraud word because it's it's such a harsh word, but I, I certainly didn't think they were as good as a record for the vast uh, majority of the season. And I think that really did play out in how the season ended for them. Uh, you know, they did run into some injury issues, but I've never been uh, a big fan of Coach Clip. I, I like this idea that McVay gets another shot at Brady. And in that Rams uh, Patriots Super Bowl, however many years ago that was, you know, offensively, they kept Brady in check. I think McVay has a game plan available to him in this one. And he's finally got, you know, a replacement level quarterback would have won that Super Bowl for the Rams over the Patriots, I believe. And they have a pretty good quarterback now. We have a quarterback in Matt Stafford who, for part of the season, was in the MVP conversation. Um, it's no surprise to me that. Rams are the betting favorite in this one, if not the odds favorite. But uh, you know, you, you, gotta, you gotta give respect to Brady and that Bucks defense, which quietly has just been really, really, really strong this year. Eagles couldn't do anything against them. A lot of teams ran into this this year. Uh, over under sitting at 48 and a half right now at Bavada Seth, and uh, pretty 50 50 on that one. And then the uh, Buffalo Bills, it'll feel like a heat wave when they uh, travel to Kansas City and Arrowhead. Um, I would, you know, I, I, if this game is played in Buffalo, uh, I would, I would say the bills would be the favorite. I, again, this is another situation where Kansas city is hosting the Buffalo bills, but they're only the favorite because they're at home. And this is another even matchup. I would say either one of these Sunday games are a pick them. And I, I'm not telling people what to do with their time. If you have pet put money on this or haven't put money on this, those are two must watch games. Don't go anywhere. Don't do, make any plans. This is what you need to do. Well, Seth, first of all, you're, you're absolutely right uh, in that if this game was in Buffalo, the Bills would be favored. Absolutely. Because the Chiefs are only two and a half point home favorites in this one. And, uh, you know, we talked about the Packers home field advantage. The Chiefs have in our database the largest home field advantage in the NFL. Traditionally, that home field advantage is worth on average around three. So for a team like the Chiefs, it's closer to maybe four, four and a half, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's meaningful. The fact that the Chiefs are under three 
suggests that uh, in our ratings, the Bills are actually better than the Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs have their fans, good fans, great friends who know when to uh, get up, get loud, do their thing. But I, I don't know if that'll be enough. The Bills look scary good. There is a, definitely a recency bias that moves these lines up. You know, the Bills beating the Patriots the way they did is more impressive than how the Chiefs beat the Steelers and, uh, you know, the walking dead that is Ben Roethlisberger. And uh, this one really shocked me when I brought this up uh, in our trading liability monitor. The over-under for the Sipavada is at 55. That's not the shocking part. 98% of all bets are on the over so far in this one. People are betting points. They're betting all the points. It is nuts. On the money line and spread, it's pretty 50-50 but people are betting on all the points. It's it's going to be a wild one. I hope it lives up to the hype. Uh, selfishly, I hope that you know, they score 54 points, but uh, it, it should be a good one. A really great game, really good opportunity for the... I'll, I'll be happy for whichever team wins because I like the QBs. I like the fans of both teams. It should be a good one. My favorite line on Twitter uh, during the wild card weekend, the super wild card weekend, was for that, and I'm mad at us for not having mentioned it uh, last week on the podcast. The Rams playing the Cardinals. Which X does St. Louis root for? Oh, <laughs> both those uh, franchises called St. Louis home, and both ditched St. Louis for greener pastures. The Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. That's St. Louis versus St. Louis. That is, that's a t- tough one. Um, How great is that? I mean, at least St. Louis has the baseball Cardinals who have done pretty well by the city. Um, whatever well, happened with that? To lo- have, but, and the Cardinals were originally the Chicago Cardinals. Just so okay. we're, we're, we're clear. They were a lot, the a lot, of, Cardinals, lot of musical chairs here. St. Louis. But when, you know, my formative years, when I was growing up, they were the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. And then mm. they moved, became the Phoenix Cardinals, and then they changed to the, um, then they became the, Saint, you know, the, uh, the Arizona Cardinals. So whatever happened with the city of St. Louis's lawsuit against the NFL over the relocation of the Rams? Oh, the Rams is, that, is that settled or still Rams, pending? No, it's, it's still being uh, resolved. Um, the, Ram, the owner of the Rams is going to have to pay like a billion dollars. See, that, this is why I asked, because you asked, who do you cheer for? And I think, perversely, if you are the city of St. Louis, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe you hope the Rams make a bit of a run here and say, that could have been us. That cost this city money. That cost the city investment, uh, interest, uh, everything else, real estate, whatever. So maybe, maybe you hope for the Rams. You know, if you're the average fan on the street, you're probably not cheering for the Rams in St. Louis. But if you're whoever's heading up that lawsuit, eh, maybe you want to see the Rams go a little bit further, have a bit of success, and maybe hope that you can bank off of that. Well, yeah, you could understand that. You could also argue St. Louis Cardinals left in 87. Mm. The Rams left in the 2010s. So the, yes. the, the, the wound is still dry. Like, I told you how relocation fascinates me. Yes. And I, I'm telling you, that's the most under-discussed topic. But uh, I saw someone tweet it. It was brilliantly written. It was, who, what team does St. Louis root for in that situation? It's fantastic. Yeah. I, and I, I think you're probably right that from a fan point of view, that's raw. Um, I don't know if raw is a word, but it's, it's certainly more raw. Um, yeah, I just, I, I think I'm just, 
terminally poisoned to always think of things in terms of you know dollars and cents so i'm thinking about like how can this beef up the lawsuit but yeah i'm emotionally i think that's probably hitting uh st louis fans harder if the rams have success but uh what are you gonna do Meanwhile, what's the action on the Australian Open? I will say, you know, as somebody who gets up really early in the morning, having the <laughs> tennis be available, it's really nice. Uh, I I enjoy it, but but uh, what 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 the uh, the Novak Djokovic uh, story came and went. He's gone. He got deported, which is incredible. <laughs> um, and it, you know, it raises a real interesting question because you know, here's another example. Kyrie Irving has made a huge impact on the Brooklyn Nets, right? And you just kind of say to yourself, like, they don't have him for their home games. Is it still worth it? But for Novak Djokovic, because now France is talking about it. That's right. That's two majors. You don't get this kind of time again. And I, you know, I just wonder if, you know, at the end of it, you know, if Novak Djokovic wins, you know, three more majors in his career, four more majors, whatever it is. He wins more majors, but he will not have won majors that he was clearly the best tennis player. And for what? Again, this is not about mandate. This is, yeah, this is, this is not a government mandate. This is well in Australia. It is, it's a government mandate, but you play by their rules. You have to get vaccinated. My kids cannot go to school unless they are vaccinated for measles, mumps, rubella, all these other diseases I've never heard of. You have to get vaccinated, you know, and, and growing up, I remember hearing from anti-vaxxers. I, again, this is not about mandate and I understand people wanting their freedoms. What I'm saying is Novak Djokovic has to comply in order to play tennis. Is the shot worth it? I I mean, understand. I, I can't process this. I mean, I guess to him it is. And, uh, it will be interesting to see what happens with the French Open, which you uh, referenced a moment ago. Um, because, yeah, as it currently stands, uh, there are vaccine passports in France. Um, the U.S. Open, which is interesting because the U.S. is relative to the rest of the world, uh, I suppose, not as mandatey or not as vaccine passporty. But the U.S. Open is in New York State. It is in New York State where there is uh, a vaccine passport. So assuming things are going to continue down this COVID path, uh, for the near to medium future, that impacts all this leaves for Djokovic is Wimbledon. And again, that's as it currently stands. And uh, if I've learned anything in COVID, Seth, um, you can't, it's very difficult to plan for the future. Like you can't be banking on the fact that you'll be able to safely go to Wimbledon. Uh, maybe if you uh, leave for England now, uh, you could probably uh, quarantine long enough to be able to play. But it's, uh, gosh, that was so that was the first time that we had to void bets uh, due to deportation at Bavada. <laughs> So uh, that, that was a new career first for me. Uh, Djokovic was the uh, odds-on favorite, uh, generally by speaking. A um, by a lot. Oh, yeah. He was, you know, it, which is, uh, you know, it, it speaks to his talent. And that's, that's the other crazy thing, right? He's not like, he's not at the end of his career. He's not a middling tennis player. He is right now tied with Federer and Nadal, who are, you know, Federer plays one or two majors a year now because, you know, he's an old guy. He's got to save his strength. I totally get it, by the way. Uh, Nadal, uh, Nadal is still the king of the clay. Love what Nadal does, but he's on his, uh, you know, backswing as well. Djokovic could not just break the record for major slams. He could run away with it in a way that, you know, may not be challenged. I, I, I don't know again in our, our lifetime. Like we are, I, I think, you know, it's easy to get lost in the moment of what sports is now without historical cons, uh, context. 
this this last five, 10 years has been the golden age of men's tennis. It has been incredible, compelling, so many interesting. And I mean, uh, he clearly feels strongly enough to deny himself a shot at history, um, which is fascinating to me. And I, I really, I, I really wonder how we're going to be attacking these big major tournaments going forward because he'll either have to budge or the world will have to budge. Um, it, listen, he's made enough money. Last year, he was so close to getting uh, the Golden Slam, winning the majors and winning. Uh, that was the one thing he was. That's right. And he you know, completely flamed out at that tournament. And well, we know Djokovic, when he flames out, he flames out in style. It gets emotional. He he dropped out of the uh, the doubles medal game. So he d- denied his, one of his countrymen a medal because he didn't want to play in the doubles game after he lost the singles. Uh, he's a hothead. And I know that drives, uh, you know, probably part of what pushes him so well to be as good as he is but he might have got in over his head in this one well he, he definitely got in over his head in this one he was detained for like 10 11 days before being deported so i, I mean I, I still haven't read all the nitty-gritty and i don't think i want to because i think it'll just make me shake my head at both sides a little bit but I, i'm still fascinated that it got to a point where he was admitted into the country uh held for 10 or 11 days and then out he goes uh i don't know what's next for him i, I try not to get interested too much in athlete controversies, except for when it affects the business. And when it affects the business that the odds on favorite in an event where 60 plus competitors are participating in, well, that really messes up how we plan to trade that tournament, how we plan to offer odds. And now, because we, we offer futures in all these tournaments all year, Seth, uh, we have Wimbledon odds up already. We have French Open odds up already. We have US Open odds up already. We have to have them up with a caveat now. We have to have them up with this in mind that the world number one may not be actually available to play at all of them. Um, I could appreciate it's a strong and interesting betting opportunity for players to keep on top of this news, but it just, uh, yet another headache for us uh, when trying to handicap this, when trying to sort it out, it's, it's very, it's very weird. I hope, uh, I hope sports in the world can just collectively get its head together sometime in 2022. But uh, yeah, I said the same thing in 2021 and uh, not too optimistic. It just seems I, I I I just had trouble processing the whole thing. The tennis players, by the way, they were all sick of it. They were showing up at their press conferences saying, "No questions about this. I, I'm done." And I appreciate that too because you know they shouldn't have to you know discuss all all this nonsense. Um, one other question before we wrap this up: uh, the NHL still ha- hasn't uh, rescheduled any of their games. And I don't understand what they're waiting for. Now, listen, when this podcast gets released, for all we know, there's going to be a big schedule update. But uh, there are about 10 teams that have to play a crap load of games, like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 games. And you're not going to do it all in the Olympic break. And the other thing is, what about the teams that barely had any cancellations? What are you going to do? Because you're going to be off for huge stretches for this Olympic break. What a weird time in hockey. Well, as the folks uh, behind South Park like to say, Seth, uh, blame Canada. Uh, I truly believe that's what's happening here. I think um, it is really, really difficult for the NHL and the commissioner, Gary Bettman, to try and solve the scheduling issue while also trying to navigate uh, one of two countries that has a really night and day uh, you know, COVID strategy, I guess, would be the way to put it. Uh, obviously, things are pretty restricted in Canada right now. We actually just had our curfew, curfew, Seth, 
lifted in Quebec as of uh, Monday this week. So I can go outside after 10 p.m., which is uh, nice because now I can you know go shovel the snow in the middle of the night now and dig out the wife's car for her. But I, I don't, the, the only positive thing I can say in this direction, Seth, is that in the last week or so in sports and the reporting of sports, it seems to be, and not, and not just in sports, it seems to be, seems to be that we're hinting towards a lessening of restrictions more broadly, not just in, in sports, as I said. And uh, I think this is happening in Canada. We're, you know, even being, a, a, you know, we're being less doom and gloomy in how we're reporting you know, cases and deaths, or we're reporting them with more contacts now. So the public is feeling maybe less overwhelmed about it. I think there is more of a desire to get through this and put COVID behind us in this country up here in Canada, more than there has been at any point uh, in this whole COVID stuff, which is great. Uh, we, we just need execution on it now. And uh, once we get there, I think everything else falls into order. Now, how does that help the NHL right now in this moment? It's it's a little too slow. It's I I think Gary. I, I think we said this last week. I think Gary needs to make another call to Prime Minister Trudeau, and say if you don't sort this shit out, we're playing the entire rest of the season in the U.S. We're making up the games down there. We'll figure it out, and we'll figure it out without you. Well, you can sell tickets. I know that. <laughs> oh yeah, I will come down to the games. Uh, I will come down. I can still get to the U.S. That's that's something that I'm allowed to do. That's one of the few things that hasn't been Perks restricted about being vaccinated. Well, that's what, that's what they say, yeah. <laughs> All right, that'll I, do it for the Bovada at Odds podcast. We'll see you next week. All right, take care, everyone.